this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows that in a court of owls, Harvey Birdman is your best defense. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Birdman! <laughs> um, Sorry, I had to. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I'm just glad that you saw the uh, wordplay that I was going for. <laughs> no, no, that was that's a really good one. I didn't see that coming. Um, um, I remember uh, growing up, one of my friends had Boomerang, and uh, you know, Boomerang is the network that has all the really old cartoons, and we used to watch the uh, Hanna Mar- Barbera Birdman on there all the time, and we just that sort of like Birdman call that he did or does is kind of like a uh, inside joke between us. Oh. <laughs> so I just had to let it out once I heard that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I got you. How's it going? Um, it is going well. Um, yeah. We actually, I thought this was going to be a light news week. I really did. And then um, all this stuff started uh, just pumping out, man. Um, okay, cool. So, um yeah, uh, I have like actually I have two science stories tonight. Um, oh, sick! Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, how about this? Let's talk about what we're watching, reading, and we'll roll right into it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, I haven't been watching a ton um, or reading a ton, but uh, last night uh, my wife and I were sitting down and we were trying to figure out uh, what to watch. And um, you know, now that I'm married, there's always, <laughs> there's always a fun discussion about like what show can we both agree on? Cause there's a ton of stuff that I want to watch that she's not interested in, unfortunately. Uh, um, story of my life, man. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but she really, so I guess, uh, she's a couple of seasons behind in, um, American horror story, which is one of her favorite shows. And I've not really watched much of a, of American horror story at all. Um, I'm kind of, I kind of have a weird relationship with that show where, I've always wanted to watch it, but every time I try, I can never really get that into it. Um, The season that I've watched the most of is uh, the Roanoke season. I think it's called My Roanoke Nightmare. And everyone I talk to tells me that's the worst season and I shouldn't have. (laughs) I shouldn't have tried to watch that one and I should have just gone with one of the other ones. Um, But uh, my wife really wants to watch the cult season of American horror story. And the thing about the cult season is I watched, I don't remember if I watched that one, but go ahead. I think it's, I think it's not the most recent, Mm. but it's like the second most recent. That's the one after Trump won the election. Yes. Yeah. I did not watch that one. So that one, the one thing I've heard, cause like, you know, I listen to other podcasts and stuff. And so I've, I'm kind of familiar with certain aspects of the show. And the one thing I've heard about the cult season is that, 
if you have not watched the rest of American Horror Story, you will not know what's going on because the uh-huh. series is, you know, it's an anthology series. Like every season is a completely separate story, even though there's like Easter eggs and things in the background that overlap. But I guess the cult season is the one season where you have to have watched all the other ones. <laughs> Otherwise, a lot of it's just not gonna, is going to go over your head. And well, she really it, wanted. What's that? Sorry, finish your sentence, then I'll tell you. Oh, no. Uh, well, so, so she she really wanted to watch uh, American Horror Story Cult last night. And I was like, I am not watching this. I'm gonna, I'm not going to have any idea what's going on. And uh, so what we ended up doing instead was we started the series from the very beginning. <laughs> so before before going to bed last night, we cranked out a couple episodes of American Horror Story. So I guess I'm doing my first. What's that? Quality bedtime viewing. <laughs> Absolutely. But I guess I'm so I guess I'm starting my first proper viewing of the show. Um, so I'm a first a few seasons or a few episodes into season one, you know, uh, 10 years after it came out or so. And uh, so far, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty good. Um, one thing I've always struggled with the show is I always felt like episodes that I had seen from it didn't feel horror enough and just kind of felt like a lot of really dark stuff going on. But uh, I, I, I am appreciating that the first season definitely is going for a lot of the scares and uh, supernatural aspects. Uh, what were you going to say a while ago, though? Oh, no, I just I read an article a while back that all the American horror stories have been telling the same story. Like it's all yeah. connected universe. And I don't know if it was cult or kind of rolled it all together or or if it was supposed to be a future season, but they said that it was coming. Um, and since you say that, maybe it was the cult season that they were talking about. Yeah, I, I am pretty sure it's that one. I mean, I could be wrong since I haven't watched it, but from what I've heard, I'm pretty sure it's the cult one. Um, and yeah, I think it, it is cool that they're all like different stories that are truly like interwoven and all that. Um, but yeah, so I've enjoyed that so far, so I'm hoping to watch some more American Horror Story. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention that I finally watched, um, which this is actually a couple weeks too late uh, to be bringing this up, but I finally watched the uh, Hogwarts Legacy trailer, which is the new uh, Harry Potter game. Um, Have you watched this, Drew? No, I have not. This This is the RPG, right? Yeah, yeah. And and the way you we actually uh, off air had a uh, dis- like a short Harry Potter discussion the other day. And the way you described uh, this game, you I think you said you feel that it's going to be like a Skyrim version of Harry Potter almost. That's kind of like that. I just felt like that would be the, honestly, I felt like that was like the best way to approach a game like that. Yeah. Like, within the school itself or maybe like some of the other areas of the. Yeah, absolutely. So this is um, what I was left with with the trailer is kind of the same approach where it's just kind of this open world like Skyrim like RPG where you can literally like go around and do whatever you want. But it takes place within the Harry Potter universe. And the thing is, um, you know, when we were talking about Harry Potter the other day, we were kind of talking a little bit about how some of the movies and books, especially early on in the series are like really formulaic and stuff. But the one thing that I think Harry Potter does really well as a franchise is that world building. You know, I love, um, I love Hogwarts. I love the wizarding world that 
that uh you know jk rowling built and seeing this game i was just like i just want to play this to just wander around Hogwarts. (laughs) Like, I don't even want to, I I mean, I'm sure there's like really cool aspects of the story and side quests and all that. But I was just like, I just want to be in this environment and I want to, you know, explore the halls of Hogwarts and go to Hogsmeade and, uh, you know, try to see what else I can do. Um, And the the way the game looks, it looks like you are going to be able to enter Hogwarts as a first year student, you know, like, 11 years old or however old the first year students are and you're going to be able to go to school and then just kind of keep growing as a wizard wait, wait, in this wait, wait, world wait, wait, wait. and it's this yes. is a video game where you go to school <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm pretty yeah, sure it's, it's, world, i'm pretty sure all the kids are doing school video game right now for real <laughs> that's true that's actually a funny point um i mean the whole like concept of harry potter being a fantasy world where you're going to school the whole time is like a funny discussion that we can probably tackle at another point. <laughs> but um, no, I just think it's, it looks like both a game that I would, I would enjoy playing it for an hour, just exploring, but I could also see myself getting really immersed in it. So it's kind of, it looks really cool from both of those angles. Um, and right. that's, that's honestly all I've really watched uh, this week. How about you? So I haven't watched anything. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, which isn't which isn't entirely true. I watched. Um, I told you I've been on this weird DC animation like binge for some reason. Yeah, yeah. So like I've been falling asleep to like the animated DC movies right now lately. Like you know, and it's nice that HBO Max has a chunk of them. They don't have all of them. So I watched uh, Batman Under the Red Hood, and I watched Batman Assault on Arkham. I started, I watched Justice League Gods and Monsters, which is really good, by the way. There's a nice twist in there that. Um, like I'd never, I that, that's one I never watched. It was one that I had like grabbed, but I didn't, didn't pit, I didn't sit down and watch it. And there's yeah. a nice little twist in there that I just didn't see coming. Um, cool. And uh, what did I start last night that I didn't finish? I don't remember which one I started because it was one that I started and then I was like, I'm too tired and I turned it off. Um, but uh, so I've been watching some of those. It's been kind of fun to going back through them, especially like with all this DC stuff ramping up. It's been kind of nice to kind of look at this going. Why aren't some of these live action? Um, but, you know, that's all right. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, I did. I did, however, finish uh, Peter J. Tomasi's Batman and Robin run from the new 52. Um, OK, so nice. I read some. So I read some comics um, and then I started uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws new 52. Um, so that'll be cool. I'm looking forward to reading some more of that. I'm not very far, but I started it. And then, um, I played, and then I've been playing a lot of video games. So that's why I haven't watched much. Um, I was playing a bunch of, uh, Elder Scrolls online because the, uh, the Greymore expansion with the vampires and everything has kind of consumed my attention a little bit. Yeah. And, then, um, I also played, uh, a bunch of the video game division two, um, which, <laughs> right has been really interesting because of the world we live in right now with the COVID and all that stuff. This is a game about bioterrorism and how a virus like just wipes out the country and everything. So, um, Oh, yikes. Uh, well, it's about a virus that hits New York City. The first game is about a virus that hits New York City, and you play a sleeper agent for the government that basically is there to help uh, clean up, protect, and serve, and do what you can, right? Yeah. And... The second game takes place seven months later where the virus is spread. And now, like, Washington, D.C., like, it's all, like, it looks like 
it looks like the walking dead, but there's no zombies because everyone, because of the infection from the virus. <laughs> so you're really like out there on your own, uh, trying to do what you can to pr- protect the government and the civilians and all that stuff. Um, oh. but, Okay. It's all it's all virus related and it's it's really cool because like you'll get like a side mission that'll send you in an area and there's actually a biocontaminant and like you have to throw on the hazmat gear and go in and try and rescue the people out of there and it's <laughs> um it's a cool it's a cool game, but it's got me completely infatuated right now. Um and then, <laughs> I, I like the idea of you escaping to a world where there's a deadly virus going around <laughs> and trying to stay safe in that environment. <laughs> right. Well, our world has not gotten to the uh, shit storm that you live in in that game. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> so it's just kind of maybe maybe it's considered training for that world. That we're yeah. Um, um, oh, I I don't mean to interrupt you. I had like a quick right. side note that I thought was kind of funny, though. Um Related to like fantasizing about living in a world with the deadly virus, even though we live in that right now. Um, I've been watching a ton of The Office lately, as I've mentioned on other episodes. And the other day I was watching it and I had a funny thought where I was like, am I fantasizing about actually going to the office that I (laughs) I work in instead of working at home every day? And I don't think it's the case. I really love the show. It's a great show, but I just had that thought. I think you're fantasizing about going to the office because you're tired of working at home and you need to get out of the house. I don't know, man. Working at home is pretty convenient. I I hear you there. It saves my gas for sure. Um, But no, and then uh, today is October 1st. So tomorrow, so I don't have a review for you, but tomorrow Star Wars Squadrons releases, um, which is the next big Star Wars uh, video game, which is all about uh, X-Wings versus TIE Fighters and flying around in space. And um, I've been waiting for a game of this caliber for a long time. So um, I'm quite excited for it. Um, That's awesome. That might take up some of my mental capacity this weekend for sure. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so I haven't really watched any new television or movies because I've been kind of focused on like other things. And I actually did a lot of reading. So um, what can you do? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, (laughs) Well, let's (laughs) let's jump aboard the news train, shall we? Um, So, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So let's I might bounce around a little bit. Let's do one of the news stories first. Since we were just talking about the virus, let's talk about this real quick. Okay, so we all know there's a covid vaccine coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And this is the part that I'm not sure. I read the article and um, I don't know if there's multiple vaccines coming, but there's a, this, there's a specific one that requires um, that requires. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to read through my notes again because this is goofy. This is really goofy. So. Uh, you know what a basking shark is? Maybe. <laughs> it's, it's one of the larger sharks. It's the basking sharks, and then there's another one um, that I was unsure how to pronounce the name. But they are – there is something in the shark that they need for the vaccine. So Oof, okay. when you put that into account and what you would have to – how many sharks would have to be killed for, to make this vaccine, it's like half a million sharks. For this yes. vaccine and conservationists are like warning everyone that you can't do this because it would bring these two species to the brink of extinction. Right. So in the in a world of natural resources, why would we even consider weakening a resource 
to protect everybody else. And this is not a food chain thing. This is an issue of protecting a natural resource. Um, the article is really fascinating read, um, but it was kind of like terrifying at the same time. Like, why would we, why would we even consider doing that? Um, and I don't know. It was it just kind of like sharks are my favorite animal. I, I, I had to think about that uh, real hard one time a little while ago. because Someone asked me what my favorite animal was. And it was weird because my first response was sharks. And then I yeah. thought long and hard about it. I'm like, no, sharks really are my favorite animal. They're awesome. Um, so it just kind of bugged me when I read that. But even if it, even if they weren't, that's still kind of like, why? You know what I mean? So um, in a world of COVID, let's not use random creatures to like power our, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like we don't want to endanger or make a, make a species go instinct um, just for a vaccine and uh yeah, so I this feel is like, a, Oh, keep going. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, just because it's the first solution we've found, hopefully there's a, another solution we can do that won't um, kill millions of sharks. Yeah, so it's basically one dose of the COVID vaccine containing squalene. So it's the squalene that they need uh, would require 250,000 sharks, depending on the quantities used. Uh, this doubles to half a million if two doses are required. As researchers say, um, is likely many of the species targets uh, being rich squalene, such as the gulper shark and the basking shark. And there's another one that I cannot pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. Um, meaning that their populations are decreasing and they can become endangered if the circumstances threaten them. So, um, so but, but you also have to understand that harvesting something from a wild animal that could potentially go extinct because of this is never going to be a sustainable resource, especially if a top predator does like a shark doesn't reproduce in the numbers that like I mean, like chickens reproduce like ad nauseum. Right. Sharks. Yeah. Do not. So is there anything in chickens that can help? Like, you know I mean? Yeah. So um, that's just I just wanted to pull that up real quick before we moved on. But if if only it was like we found out that. uh squalene was like really plentiful and meg megalodons and maybe we could find like one or two of those still alive and just kill them and drain all that squalene <laughs> maybe we could vaccinate everybody with just a couple meg megalodons being killed um well no, um, I yeah right but unfortunately <laughs> it's not megalodons so yeah um no i uh i actually thought you were gonna go a different direction with the story because i thought you were gonna say that in some lab somewhere they were going to start um, making shark clones to get uh, the substance that's needed for the vaccine. And we were going to deal with like their real just... life version of deep blue sea. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Pretty much. I thought that we were going to deal with like they're going to be making millions of shark clones. And then I was like, no, this is a sci fi original movie waiting to happen. You know, like yep. that tank is going to crack and then it's going to be. Yeah. It's right. going to be insane. Yeah. All right. Um, well, moving on, I'll come back to the next, the final, uh, we'll put the last science story at the end. So um, did you see that Hawkman uh, has been cast? Yeah, um, I did hear about this. Um, okay. So this I, is not the first time we've seen Hawkman. We saw Hawkman in Smallville. We saw yeah. Hawkman in the Arrowverse. And then now we're seeing Hawkman for the first time on the big screen. And he's going to be played by uh, Aldous Hodge. I believe I tell us you pronounce the first name. Um, I know him from a show on TNT called Leverage, which is phenomenal. If you've never watched that show is awesome. Um, okay. But um, I'm totally down for this casting. 
just in general. He's, he's a really good actor, but I'm down for the casting in general. So I don't know if you have anything to say about it, but um. yeah, I, I did hear about this. Um, I haven't really looked into it, so I'm not actually sure if I even know the actor or not. Um, and Hawkman's going to be, is it going to be, is he going to be in black Adam or what movie is? Yeah. He's going to be, he's gonna be, in, he'll be in black Adam. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really cool. Um, Hawkman, uh, just as a character is such a cool visual. So I'm, it's going to be, like you said, we've already seen him in, uh, the Arrowverse, but it'll, it'll be really cool to see him on the big screen and with like some really, uh, high budget special effects and stuff. I just think it's going to be visually like a really cool spectacle. So. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I was happy with the casting when I read it. So um okay dc news just moving on uh suicide squad according to joel kinnaman who plays uh rick flag um mm-hmm. he says the um james gunn suicide squad is heavily rated r okay. uh, there hasn't been like a rating yet and we haven't seen much from the film but he said um so the quote is this movie, uh, that movie is going to be insane. The script is funny. Every page of the script was funny. Every page made me laugh. James just has this command of the genre, but also every aspect of comedy. And even in the marketing, he just understands the world so much. And since he wrote it, he really reinvents not just the concepts, but he, also the characters. Uh, for me, it was like I did my first comedy, but it's like heavily rated R. Nice. So I was I'm down for that. And it looks like DC is going to be looking at more R rated stuff in general because Batman vs Superman has the R rated director's cut. It makes me wonder if Justice League will be R rated. Um, yeah. You know, and with the success of the Joker, I have no problem with DC going R rated going forward. I really don't. Um, I don't know if Flash will do that because Flash is a little bit more of a kid friendly character. So they might try and keep that at a PG-13. But who knows? Yeah, I think I think um, maybe most of the Justice League members besides Batman shouldn't necessarily have R rated movies. Um, Yeah, like Flash, Shazam, even Superman, like I feel like PG-13 is the sweet spot for those characters. Um, But I Suicide Squad, even the first movie, to me, it felt like it should have been rated R like it. It was. It had like that really, really dark, did. gritty su- subject matter. And then when you saw the movie, it actually felt a little more tame than at least I was expecting. So I think it's great that they're actually going with an R rating. Um, and yeah, it's just good all around. I agree with you. I'm fine with DC having some of their movies being rated R. Um, as long as, you know, the ones I feel like some of the more bright uh, colors, colorful superheroes should have a lower rating, but yeah, the more dark gritty stories, you know, why not have a rated R movie? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's flip the coin from the DC verse and jump into the Marvel side of things. Um, Sam Jackson is returning as Nick Fury. Did you hear about this? Uh, briefly, like I, I, I knew there was buzz about something about Nick Fury, but uh, I don't right. know all the details of this. Story. So Samuel Jackson is returning as Nick Fury in a Disney Plus series. OK, yeah. So we're getting a Nick Fury series. Now, I don't know where this connects to the big picture. Um, 
because if I had to make any guesses, they're going to go the Secret Wars route because they told the Infinity Saga. So let's go the Secret Wars route because it's technically the next big thing Marvel would do. But the other big thing that they kind of hinted at was Secret Invasion because we've already had the Skrulls that were introduced in Captain Marvel. And then at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, the bonus scene was we saw Nick Fury we found out Nick Fury in Spider-Man Far From Home was actually a scroll the whole time. And then oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Seen, and then Nick Fury was seen in space with the scrolls, which would lead me to believe that they're building up towards Secret Invasion as well. Um, yeah, and I, I think the scroll idea sounds like a... To me, like I think for like a TV series, especially starring Nick Fury, I think that would be... It just seems to fit, you know? Um, so I actually am down with that, but... Uh, yeah, either way, it's it's cool. Um, it's another one of those things where Nick Fury isn't my favorite character, so I'm going to kind of probably wait for a trailer or something to know if I'm sold on this one, but definitely exciting to hear. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see Nick Fury um, um, back in general, but I just don't... I wasn't a big fan of... Um, uh, of the secret invasion in general. I really wasn't. Okay. Um, I just, that, that story arc was just so convoluted and so weird. And I found it hard to follow in general and maybe, and I think I got a little bored during it. Um, and I know it, and on a comic level, it was not very well received by fans or I just read negative reviews. So, <laughs> um, but <laughs> let's, so here's the other piece of Marvel news. Cause you know, Hey, we're all happy to get more Nick Fury. Um, but the next piece, and this has me scratching my head, because this is, in my opinion, one of the worst things to happen in the Marvel Universe. Um, and when I say Marvel Universe, I'm not necessarily talking MCU. I'm talking just Marvel movies in general. Um, the Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man 2 had Jamie Foxx play Electro. Um, yeah. According to news today, Jamie Foxx is coming back to play Electro in the next Spider-Man film. Um, I think that's really cool. <laughs> um, I, that's, I mean, um, okay. So are I, we dealing, <laughs> what? are we dealing with a spider verse here or are we, are we dealing with a spider verse or are we, um, man, this is, this is so hard to say. So are we dealing with Spider-Verse here where we're bridging the gap or are we just saying that it all took place together and Tom Holland's just the, the Spider-Man that we've always known the whole time? Yeah. Do you it see what seems, I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So are you more, I'm trying to figure out what your annoyance comes from. My like, annoyance from is I could Jamie not, Fox stand, coming I back could not just... stand the Jamie Foxx. Okay. Jamie Foxx before he was Electro. I hated, I hated that character. I just, I couldn't stand it. It drove me insane. <laughs> and I was like, clearly Jamie Foxx was like, Oh, I'm going to be playing a villain. So I'm going to go watch Batman forever and copy what Jim Carrey did and be that in Spider-Man. And then I'll become the villain. And then I'll just be the evil villain. So once Jamie Foxx becomes Electro, I had no problem. Jamie Foxx pre-Electro, I couldn't stand. It was the worst part of the movie, hands down. Okay. Um, so, and then it made me not like the character for the rest of the film. So there. So I, I absolutely agree with uh, – no, I actually completely agree with what you're saying. Um, I think Jamie Foxx, before he becomes Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, he is a little annoying and stuff. Um, when I first saw the movie, though, I think I was – 
able to maybe give him a little more leeway there. Of course, um, I wasn't like, I didn't realize the Jim Carrey comparison right away. Um, but my thing is just once he becomes electro, I just feel like that character is so badass. And I know it's not necessarily the most popular opinion, but I really like the amazing Spider-Man too. I think it's a really cool movie. Um, one of my favorite parts of the movie is, Electro feels powerful. Like when he's destroying Times Square, you just can feel like this is a powerful character and what he's doing is crazy and it's destructive and it's badass. And it just kind of harnessed this feeling of that movie, like, and that character harnessed this feeling of power for me that I kind of haven't really seen in any other movies besides Man of Steel, actually, with uh, Zod and uh, Superman's fight. And so I actually really really loved that character. So hearing he's going to come back for another Spider-Man movie, that sounds awesome. With that being said, I feel like he, I feel like it has to be a spider verse we're dealing with because I don't, it's really hard for me to accept that Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland are playing the same version of Spider-Man. Cause it just seems like too many details would just conflict with each other, you know? Um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a way to work through it, but I just feel like it wouldn't work. I, you mean like him coming into that universe? No. I, so if, if we're dealing with a Spider-Verse when uh, Jamie Foxx comes back in for this move, new movie and it's uh, Jamie Foxx like from another dimension fighting against Tom Holland, that's fine. They, I think they should do that. I think that'll be cool. Um, but just the idea of them saying there is no Spider-Verse and... Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield are actually the same version of Peter Parker. I find that really hard to accept. You know, sure. does that make sense? Yes. Because I feel like way too many details would be contradicting. Yes. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that statement. I just when I we already have the J. Jonah Jameson back from the Tobey Maguire stuff. So it's like, let's double down on another universe. Do you know what I mean? And it just it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I read that. Um, yeah. But then I was like, but they also were like grabbing the, the villain that I hated the most from those movies. <laughs> and I was like, OK, <laughs> what's happening? Um, and I just thought Marvel would kind of like clean house and like do a complete clean slate on that because right. was trying to create a Spider-Verse as well and play nice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Um yeah, I really don't know. I just I thought it was, I'm just I'm not really pleased, but hey. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, moving on. Anyway, Jamie Foxx is coming back. Um, moving on. OK. Uh, Avatar 2. Oh, yes. OK. <laughs> Raps filming. <laughs> like, so yeah. pause, pause for dramatic effect. Avatar 2 is done filming in a world where we can't film. Avatar 2 is finished filming. <laughs> well, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Well, this is where it gets interesting. So it's been over a decade since the original Avatar hit theaters, and now James Gunn has confirmed that Avatar 2 has finished filming filming ahead of its expected ahead of schedule for its expected 2022 release. Furthermore, Cameron also confirmed that Avatar 3 is nearly done as well. <laughs> okay. Okay. So in a world of COVID where we're not, where we can't be filming, he's almost done with Avatar 3 on top of it. Yeah, but I feel like 
Avatar's like I feel like ninety percent of uh, both those movies is green screen stuff. So I feel like it would be pretty easily to social distance while filming. You know, you film one person's part with a green screen background, and then you film another actor's part with a green screen background, and then put it all together and post. Um, that's kind of where I was thinking when I said, you know, it makes sense to me. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just. <laughs> First off, I don't know anyone who's asking for five more Avatar films like that we're getting. Um, five, four. We're getting four more Avatar films. I don't know anyone who's asking for it because, again, no one's going to AvatarCon. Um, yeah. And no one's going to a convention in general, but it's not like we have an AvatarCon. Um, but I don't – I just – I guess I don't understand it. The way they ended the first movie, I just don't understand why we're getting more. I really don't. It's a good movie. It re- it is. I'm not knocking Avatar. I just don't understand why we're getting four more. And then in a world where we're like, we're never going to see these movies, everyone else had to stop filming, and but two Avatar movies got shot. What happened? <laughs> you know, that's. To, I'm just racking my brain. Like, how is this possible? Yeah, I so. still just I guess I just think because of the kind of movie it is, it would easily it would be easy for them to continue filming while, you know, still following all the social distancing and self-isolation guidelines and stuff. Um, I think uh, I agree with you. I'm not asking for Avatar 2. I don't know anybody else who is. In fact, I've kind of seen Avatar um trending a lot because of this news because nobody seems to really want it but at the same time until we see that trailer who's to say because we might see that trailer and just say i have to go see that and trailer aside i'm ready trailer aside it doesn't matter if i see the trailer my butt's gonna be in a seat for it i'm gonna want to see it i just don't just like i don't um, yeah yeah that's that's really all i gotta say so how about this let's rephrase avatar 2 is the perfect example of fan service because when people talk about fan service um, and they like complain like, Oh, the last star Wars movie was nothing but fan service. I've said this before. and I'm going to say it again. Anything after the first is fan service period. You don't make more if you don't have fans wanting more. So yeah. all of it is servicing the fans. Period. <laughs> uh, I actually really, I don't really like the term fan service at all. Yeah, I kind of feel be, like it's a. There needs to be another term because everything after the original something is fan service because you're making it for your fans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's kind of a lazy critique in a lot of ways. Um, I, yeah, I just feel like so it's the so person much. who complains and says it's nothing but fan service. First off, doesn't know the ter- meaning of that word. And secondly, isn't a fan. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, at, at its root, I think uh, 99% of uh, the franchises and movies and shows out there are nothing but fan service. I mean, that's kind of, I guess, the way things work. I just think it's a weird, it's a really vague and kind of lazy criticism, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you were commenting more on Avatar 2 being fan service. Um, well, I was just saying that it's a perfect example because that's a movie where Cameron was like, oh, people like this. I'm going to make another one. So whether people wanted another Avatar or not, this will be direct fan service. Yeah. Well, I actually and- I kind of feel it's Cameron service. <laughs> More than anything else. 
<laughs> it's James Cameron wants to make this movie, so he's gonna make this movie sort of thing. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to how I feel about it yet. Right. Well, um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it either. So how about this? I got two more stories. One is a Disney related story, and then we're going to be moving on to the last uh, science story of the evening, and then. Uh, okay the list. So Disney Plus is launching co-viewing feature. 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 Um, they're going to be. Uh, it's going to be a new feature called Group Watch. Um, this is. This I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, bare bones in the article when you read it. It sounds like it's not much right now, but it looks like it's going to be. Um, it's going to increase. So what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to turn on Disney Plus. And then you're going to be able to invite friends to watch the movie with you or television show or whatever. And yeah. then what's going to happen is in the corner of your screen, you're going to see little icons. So everyone has your when you do your Disney Plus, you can create your little avatar icon for your profile. Yeah. Um, and what's going to happen is you're going to see little and like they have a picture of it in the article. So they have like the Mandalorian up and in the corner of the screen, they have the little like up. they have the little icons for all the profiles. And then it creates underneath the icons, it creates like a little chat box to where you're going to be able to put up emojis and stuff like that and kind of chat as you go. Okay. Um, so you're going to be able to basic group watch. You cannot do it off of um, you cannot do it off of a smart TV or like an Xbox, um, but you're, you're going to be able to do it off of your laptops, your phones, your iPads, um, stuff that has keyboard functionality. So you basically have to have keyboard functionality. I thought the idea was cool uh, in a world where people are like not wanting to leave the house and stuff like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Or like if I was um, or like if we wanted to watch like, hey, man, you want to watch Mandalorian, but we're, you know, on the other side of the world from each other or something, we could do that. I just thought the idea was kind of cool. Or if, you know, a dad goes on a business trip and he can't watch the show with his kid or, you know, the idea was just kind of sound. So, um I don't know what you if you have any thoughts on that, but um, it just seems um, like it's simple. I love it for like a, I don't know. I we were talking about this recently, where like Drew, you and I are kind of on the same page. Where when we watch something, we give our full attention to what we're watching, because um, otherwise you end up missing a lot of just visual and audio uh, aspects of you know the show or the movie. Um, I, I love the idea of watching a movie like uh, remotely with people. If it's like, if it's kind of like, hey, I'm marathoning Star Wars, want to hang out for a while and chat and whatever. I think that's awesome. Like a movie like we've seen a million times and we're just going to enjoy each other's company while, wa- you know, while watching it again. If it's like The Mandalorian and I'm watching it for the first time. I don't want anybody talking to me <laughs> like I want to give oh, my attention no kidding. to the show, you know, so I have mixed thoughts on it. I like the idea, but I also like the idea of watching stuff separately and then, you know, talking to your friends about it over Skype afterwards or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it, but it's definitely like there's nothing wrong with them adding this feature. Um, I just <laughs> the part I worried or worry about is if I'm just trying to watch a movie or show by myself and then my friends keep trying to get in (laughs) to watch it with me. Like that might get pretty tedious if that's an option, but we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Right. Um, I'm sorry. I have two more stories. Okay. Sorry. Um, but no, I see what you're saying. Like I, if I'm watching the Mandalorian, I'm sorry. Everyone shut up. Yeah. 
like either either I have to watch it by myself or everyone stop talking. It's going to be kind of like uh, how Game of Thrones was. Like people would be like, "Do you want to watch the finale together?" No, I do not. <laughs> yeah, um, but, sorry. Uh, so I'm a nerd, and I don't I haven't looked into this at all. But Disney owns ESPN, right? Um, Disney owns ESPN. Yes. So, so is ESPN on Disney Plus? Because this option it's, would be really cool for sports games. Uh, Disney, <laughs> it is not. Disney ESPN is its own separate thing. Okay. So Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN is the bundle, um, but ESPN is its own thing. But I totally hear what you're saying. That definitely would be that'd be huge for sports. That, um, absolutely. Um, and so that's pretty cool. Okay, so sorry I misspoke on my story. So let's move on because we are moving a little later than I thought. Um, do you remember Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead anime series that was coming to Netflix? Well, I knew it was a movie. I don't know about the anime series. Well, so apparently it's an anime series. I thought it was a movie, too. Um, well, is so it both? It might I've be. Seen... It might be both. Um, OK, so I've, I've seen a picture of the cast standing there, like in costume and stuff like live Cause action. Because there's a spinoff show coming, too. So there's the Army of the Dead anime series and there's a spinoff show titled Army of the Dead Lost Las Vegas or Lost Vegas. Um, which will serve as a prequel to the upcoming um, zombie action heist film. So, yes, it is. So there's three of them. So you're getting the spinoff show, the anime series, and you're going to be getting the live action film. Um, awesome. The spinoff is show will be starring Dave, uh, Dave, Dave Batista, uh, who plays Drax, if you don't recognize the name. Um, but the thing that got my attention was the anime series. Because it's going to include uh, voice actors such as Joe Manganiello, Christian Slater, and Vanessa Hudgens. Oh, cool. Um, so I just thought that was pretty sweet. Like, just getting some big names to play some characters. And, um, yeah. I just – this just sounds cool. And I almost forgot that Army of, De- Army of the Dead was coming. So Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just – like, with all the Snyder Cut stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, he is making another thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I like Zack Snyder a lot, obviously, like just based on aesthetics, he's one of my favorite directors um, out there just based on visuals. And so Zack Snyder directing a zombie movie sounds awesome, but anything that's like animated with zombies or horror and stuff, I always just eat that stuff up so i didn't know this was going to be an anime series but that sounds so badass um netflix has a pretty good um track record with original animes um i still haven't watched the newest season of castlevania i really need to get on that but uh yeah, you do. castlevania uh the first suit two seasons were amazing and hopefully this follows suit um yeah this is just really awesome news so i'm super pumped um, so, I don't know if there's much to say besides that, but <laughs> no, it's not. Um, and I told you before, uh, I thought Castlevania season three was great. I just felt it was a little slow at the beginning. Um, it was a little slower, okay. but once you get rolling and you realize what's going on, it's really sweet. Um, that was my only criticism of the second se- third season. I was like, this is a little slower than the other ones. It wasn't as action packed. Uh, it is definitely at the end, but it's, it's kind of more of a slow burn and, in my opinion, a slow burn, I think, is hard to do with a cartoon um, because you 
you want the action. So you're, it's not the same level of acting because you're watching cartoons move around. So, um, slower episodes in my, for me are harder to watch, um, in an anime style, if you will. Yeah. I, I hear you there. Um, I think there's like a couple anime series that are like really slow burns like that, that are actually really cool, but you do have to get like your mind, you have to kind of adjust to the pacing of it. Um, even parts of like the spawn animated series, I feel like are pretty, pretty slow, but you get really into the story and the character beats. But, um, you know, compared to your average action cartoon, like I totally get what you're saying, you know? Right. All right. So Peter, before we go to the list, what do you know about time travel? (laughs) I don't know a lot. (laughs) Okay. I laugh because You've brought up a couple time travel stories, and I don't know a lot about how time travel would actually work. And so they usually stump me, but uh, go ahead. Well, I love time. Like, time travel just fascinates me. Yeah. There's been some really cool stuff that I've read about, like, just theories and stuff like that, because I just, I, it just fascinates me. So, um, so apparently, this kid, this student at the University of Queensland, um, uh, Jermaine Tobar, uh, collaborating with the university's physics professor, um, who I do not know how to pronounce. Uh, I think it's Fabio Costa, if I'm looking at the letters correctly. They mathematically discovered how time travel with free will is logically possible in our universe without any paradoxes. Um, okay. Which is really interesting. And uh, if you, and I read the article, and I'm going to tell you this, the math, uh, yeah, I would make – Will Hunting scratch his head, but um, <laughs> the um, but when you look at this, so the big thing. So when you talk about a paradox, the big paradox, the big one we all know is uh, Back to the Future, where you go back in time and then you accidentally prevent your own birth because you like kill your parents or you prevent your parents from meeting or you kill your grandfather and then you're not born. Like that's a paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is, is I was reading, uh, um, uh, the book, uh, timeline by Michael Crichton. One of the things he points out is that that's really difficult to handle because you can't go back and prevent your, you can't stop your dad from, you can't stop your inception, your uh, conception from your parents because you don't know when that happened. Yeah. So if you kill your parents at the wrong time, it might not matter. It might not affect anything. So, um, he, they talk a lot about course correction in terms of how the timeline would kind of fix itself. Um, but what they were talking about is that, um, that there's an inconsistency with that paradox. So they were basically did a whole bunch of math to say, Oh, you can travel through time. And, um, what you do, um, so, uh, The idea is in the coronavirus, for example, in the coronavirus patient zero example, you might go back in time to stop patient zero from becoming infected. But in doing so, you'd be the one to catch the virus and become patient zero or someone else would. No matter what you did, the salient events would just recalibrate around you. Try as you might create a paradox, the events will always adjust themselves to avoid any inconsistency. So the timeline is going to happen anyway. It's almost like you can go and make any decision you want, and the timeline is just going to course correct itself. But what I, I loved it. about but I but what I loved about reading this is even if you did that, it lends theory. It lends even deeper into the multiverse theory because the whole multiverse theory is predicated on the idea that any decision I make 
the opposite. So if I had a choice of two, every single time I had to make a decision, whatever decision I make in another reality, the other, another me would have chose the opposite decision, which creates an infinite number of possibilities for every decision that comes. Another version of me chose the other one, creating another reality, which creates the multiverse. Right. <laughs> and you're just like, uh-huh. So no. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just thought it was really fascinating. I was like, oh, someone mathematically figured out that time travels without paradoxes is possible. That's interesting. And then I had to read like the entirety of it. And it's a hard read, let's put it that way. So there's yeah, a couple but- articles out there that kind of I don't want to say dumb it down, but uh tighten it up for you a little bit to give you the bullet points, but uh it's a cool read. So the the idea of uh no matter what you do, um the timeline still course corrects itself is very interesting. Um, I feel like there's even like there's stories, um, whether it be like written or like movies or something that could explore that idea where somebody keeps trying to prevent a certain event and no matter what they do, it still happens. And then, you know, what are the, you know, what other problems does the person cause um, just from trying to prevent that event? You know, Um, it's kind of a, really interesting concept. So I definitely think this is really cool. Um, I don't have too much to say about it again, just cause oh, you um, already said you don't understand time travel. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I don't understand it. It's just like, I don't know. I, I do. I do think that there's other people who think a lot about time travel who can probably assess these things way better than I can sort of thing. Oh, so okay. uh, yeah, it's definitely really interesting. All right. Well, let's jump on that. Let's go with that. And, dumb this down as much as possible and talk about our list um and talk about our list for the evening so um ready to do that yeah let's go for it all right well it is list time so ryan play the thing and now for the top five okay we are back uh peter uh this was my pick um, and this was kind of like that nostalgic thing. So when I say dumb it down a bit, this is me looking back and like looking through a prism back at my old childhood. And my whole thing was, let's look at the toys that made us, I guess, the way of wording it. Um, but this isn't really necessarily toys that made us. It's like the stuff that makes me like look back at my childhood with fond memories in terms of the toys we played with uh, and the adventures we had, I guess, is the best way of wording it. So we could be on tangents, but I honestly don't know if we would go off on this as much as possible. So, um, yeah, did you have anything to say about that before we started? Um, I had a little bit harder of a time remembering a lot of, uh, the old toys that I had than I thought. Um, and there's a lot of things that I thought of that were like big deals to me as a kid, but they, you know, weren't necessarily toys. Like they might've been video games or, um, you know, different sort of like outdoor equipment and stuff like that. Like one year for Christmas, I was really pumped to get a uh, snowboard, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> qualify in this category. Um, but other than that, like I had a lot of fun compiling this list and thinking of like which toys meant the most to me and which ones I was the most excited about and which ones uh, kind of stuck with me longer than others. So, yeah, definitely a really fun list to put together overall. Yeah. So um, do you have any honorable mentions? Because I got two. I have two as well. Um, I guess I can start. Um, my first one seems kind of vague, but uh, do, do you remember uh, and you might know where I'm going with this, but, you know, the uh, 
the big buckets you would buy that would be filled with like a bunch of uh, little green plastic army guys. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> we, we all we all saw a Toy Story. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I remember as a kid one time I found a bucket of those, but they weren't army guys. They were all like D&D esque like fantasy figurines and uh it's one of those things where i've seen other packs that that are like filled with like you know a bunch of little knights that you pretend to fight each other and stuff but this wasn't this wasn't like knights this was like dark fantasy stuff like they had like little like gruesome looking gargoyles and dragons and crazy monsters and like barbarians and it was just it was just so badass. Like I bought this big bucket full of these little like molded plastic fantasy style army guys, I guess. And I just always thought that was really cool and I've never seen it again. And, uh, I still have one of the figures. Like I still have one of those like cool looking little gargoyles, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know where the rest of those toys went, but they were really, really cool. I was just so about to just ask first I... one. I was just about to ask if you knew who that was because I was like, hey, let me pillage that for D&D. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're like a little bit bigger than your typical D&D figurine, but you probably could uh, find some way to use it um, on a miniature board for sure. Um, yeah, no, that's actually cool. I actually recently bought a box of that recently for real. <laughs> Is it for is it for D and D or is it? Um, well, I was looking for D and D miniatures, and they had a box of just creatures. It was like a hundred and some. It was like a not a box, but it was like a. It's like a bucket of like plastic figurines. It was like a hundred and thirty or whatever or something like that, and it was like it was like a hundred and thirty like figurines, but it was all like plastic figures. So like. Uh, skeletons and goblins and dwarves and orcs and then like some weird and there's a couple griffins and some little dragons and stuff like that and it's literally like just um does that make sense yeah yeah that's awesome okay um but you know i, I bought those recently and i was searching for dnd miniatures and i saw that i was like ooh, that's nice because then i can grab some of these like miniatures um and it's a decent set so yeah yeah that's awesome and that's kind of like i don't think the set i got like they look just like army guys so i don't know if it's I don't think it was like for D and D or something, but it makes me curious, like where I even <laughs> found that. <laughs> um, uh, so like, how do you want me to word this on the spreadsheet? Oh, I just, so what I wrote is just fantasy army guys, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, that works. Um, okay. Um, all right. So fantasy army guys, I'll, yeah, that's a little bit of the type. So, um, my first honorable mention is, uh, the Ninja Turtles. Oh, nice. Um, so I didn't collect a lot of them, but as like brothers, we had a lot of the figures. Um, and, but I remember I did have the van, uh, that was a birthday present. Uh, the van was the party wagon. That thing was awesome. Um, and they and they were really good. And that was back when uh, action figures were. Um, that was back when action figures were awesome because they gave you a playset that was to scale to the action figures. Uh, so when you got the van, everyone could actually fit in the van, and there were seats for everybody. And it actually, you know, there was it was designed a specific way. So, um, but I always liked the Ninja Turtles in terms of the act. Like, I didn't they didn't grow up with me at all, but uh, Ninja Turtles. 
I, I really liked the toys back in the day. So I still have my Leonardo, my original Leonardo. Um, I don't have the swords, but I still have the belt, which is still intact, which is kind of cool. But um, I still have that. So Nice. That's awesome. Um, I love the uh, Ninja Turtles toys as well. Um, just a couple little comments is like I love the uh, the size and shape of them, like how they're kind of kind of like short and kind of round was like a really it was just a really good size for kids toys because they just felt like they were meant to be played with. And, uh, you know, they were just good for like taking multiple characters and making them wrestle around and stuff. Um, I also really love the, uh, detail that was put into those figures. Like they were really cartoony, but especially when you get into some of the more grotesque, uh, villains and stuff of the series, they, uh, they were really detailed, like really well sculpted figures. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it, but that's like a great pick for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Ninja Turtles. Um, I don't know. What's your other honorable mention? Yeah. My other one, uh, I'll try to keep this short, but I put Z bots. <laughs> so <laughs> Z bots was, um, the this, best has way become, to... this has become for our listeners. The Z bots has become a family joke amongst me and my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so Z bots is, uh, I, the best way I would describe it is it's kind of like micro machines doing a mecha toy line. Like it's if you had like mech robots, but that were they were to scale compared to the micro machines cars. That's what Z bots were like. They were these really small robot toys and uh, they just all looked really badass. Um, I had a couple of them. Uh, Drew, I know you and Scott collected a lot when we yeah. were younger. And that's where the joke came from, because uh Sean and I were always asking if we could borrow or have your guys' Z-Bots. Because, <laughs> like I said, we had a couple of them, but we ended up losing them. Um, but another thing with this pick is just that sort of size for toys, where it's just the really small um, characters like that. I think it's such a good size. And as a kid, I just really loved, like, you could grab your Z-Bots and just, like, put, you know, three or four of them in your pocket and then when you get forced to go somewhere with your parents that you don't want to, you have, you know, four or five little dudes that you can make fight and stuff like that. So I just love that size of toy. Um, some other toys that kind of follow that size are like, you know, like muscle men or monsters in my pocket um, and stuff like that. But I always just thought that which goes along with the army guy concept. Like I always thought I always loved that size for, uh, you know, little action figures. Um, I agree with you. The Z-Bots were, I always thought the Z-Bots were cool. And I had one, there was one Z-Bot that I loved because it, he had this, he had this one gun that kind of looked like a grappling hook kind of a thing. And he had two like horns thing coming out of his helmet and he was like a black color. So I, he was always like the Batman for me of the Z-Bots. <laughs> um, oh, nice. I always like, I always thought he was like put together, um, I always thought he was put together in in mind of uh, with Batman in mind. So, yeah, uh, and probably to be honest, <laughs> um, that's I I always like that. And you know what? I and we always joke that like, where are they? Does anyone know where they are? I honestly have no idea where they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on. <laughs> um, there's a chance. And you know, when I moved into the house, when I moved, so when we bought the, when I bought this house, um, and we moved in, there are a handful of boxes that never got unpacked. That basically I just put, ended up putting in storage. There's a chance I have the Z bots. I just don't know. <laughs> so nice. maybe I'll have to go dig them up um, and see if I have them. Um, but at any rate, yeah. So Z bots, yeah. 
So in conclusion, Z-Bots. Yeah. Um, all right. So we talked a few weeks ago because we were talking about secret bases, um, and I went on this whole diatribe about Mask. Um, and uh, so Mask is my second honorable mention for the night, um, which is uh, Mask is a military organization called uh, that stands for Mobile Armored Strike Command. Um, and I don't remember the, the evil. I'd have to look it up again. But the evil uh, organization was Venom. And uh, villainous, um, I don't remember what it was, <laughs> um, but it was like very like straightforward, like, oh, yeah, clearly those are the bad guys. <laughs> um, but it was basically the these guys drove around these really cool vehicles that would transform. So like the one guy had the sports car that turned into a jet and they had like the semi truck that turned into whatever, like they all turned into some kind of military vehicle and they were hidden. And you had these like guys who drove that uh, had to wear helmets that activated the car and so on. Um so I just that was my honorable mention. I loved those toys. I only had like a hand a handful of them. I didn't have a lot, but I still have the uh, figures uh, stored away, and I know where they are. So if I had to pull them out to show someone, I still have uh, the main character with his mask. Still, I don't have his car, but I still have his mask, and those are the pieces that were like that you'd lose. Um, and I have the villain, so the head villain. But yeah, nice. That's awesome. Okay, um, what's your first actual pick for the evening? Yeah, so um, mine, I went with the original Violator action figure from Spawn. Mm, Um, This is a toy that I remember when Spawn. So I didn't know Spawn was a comic book and that it got really big. I just knew at the time because at the time I was really young. But I remember watching TV and I kept seeing commercials for these Spawn action figures. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but it looks like the coolest thing ever. (laughs) And it was just one of those things where. The next time I went to Walmart with my parents or with the family or whatever, I had to buy one with, you know, whatever money I had saved up. And uh, I bought the original Violator action figure back in the day because Violator was, in my opinion, one of the coolest looking ones. (laughs) You know, he's like a badass demon monster. Like, why wouldn't I buy that? Yeah, Um, mom probably loved it, too. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But the uh, looking back at it, I don't even know that this was that good of an action figure. Like he was kind of one of those, uh, plastic, uh, figures that have like the wires inside of them. So they're like bendy and you can yeah, bend it. Like, like partial regular figure and then partial bend them. Yeah, ex- exactly. But, um, I just thought it looked really cool. And another really cool aspect to the spawn action figures was they all came with a comic book. Um, and I'm pretty sure, um, the comic that I got with, uh, Violator. I'm pretty sure that it was just a I feel like they took four or five pages out of one of the early actual issues of Spawn and just kind of like repackaged it as the comic that comes with your figure. But that being said, it was awesome getting an action figure and a comic book together. And I think that having the action figure and the comic together like that kind of actually maybe changed the way I talked about, about toys when it comes to buying something that's part of a part of a story, but also just the collectability of like, Oh, awesome. This comes with a comic. It just becomes that much more collectible and maybe made me think of the packaging of the toys a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, I've loved Spawn ever since, so <laughs> uh, I don't know if you you have any comments on this one, Drew. Um, I just remember the toy being awesome. Like I just thought that, yeah. that was—I agree—that was one of the coolest like figures in terms of like toys that uh, we had around the house when we were younger. Um, I realized when I was putting my list together, we're going to have 
I think we're going to have a couple items. I think we're going to have two things. One thing I think we're going to match on for sure. And then we're going to have a couple things here. But I think our lists are going to be vastly different just because of our age gap. Um, yeah, for sure. This will be. I just think this will be an interesting conversation. But I think we're going to have, sure, um, one that have uh, – I think one's going to match for certain. Um, so my first pick for the evening is Ghostbusters. Um, oh, nice. Uh, the Ghostbusters toys, um, I – I always wanted the firehouse and we never got the firehouse as a kid. Cause that thing was massive. It was huge, but it was designed for like those figures. Those figures are fairly big. They weren't your, like the star Wars, the classic star Wars size is three and three quarters. Um, the fire, the ghostbusters were definitely probably five inches at least in height. So they had to make the firehouse to scale to the ghostbusters. Um, um, and, uh, they, <coughs> They had to make the they had to make it to scale to the Ghostbusters themselves. So the firehouse was just huge because, I mean, it's a big building in the game in the movie and then throw in the fact that you have that toys. And then um, but I did have the car, loved it. And then. um, So I did have the car, which was great, but all the ghost characters, they all like. It was always like the ghost was hidden. Like there were some that like were just regular looking ghosts, but then you had some that were like hidden and they were designed to be certain ways. Does that make sense? So it was like a normal looking guy and he would transform into the ghost. And it was, it was oh, like, yeah, yeah. there were these, it was always these really cool wacky toys. And I saw some, someone posted some pictures recently of them and I'm like, Oh yeah, the ghostbusters. It was like perfect timing for this. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that was what I had for my next pick. So, yeah, I um that's awesome. I had uh some Ghostbusters toys. Um I didn't even think about Ghostbusters for this list, but um the Ghostbusters is just such a beloved like 80s franchise and I feel like it's one of those where there was a ton of really cool toys. Um I really did like a lot of the more ghostly versions of it. Um but yeah, it's it's one of those things I I had I definitely had a ton of fun as a kid playing with Ghostbusters action figures, but uh, I don't know if like specifically I remember like any specific ones that I really loved, but definitely a, a great call. And I do remember some of those more cartoony looking ghost uh, figures and stuff being really cool as well. I will so. say this. I was in Walmart a couple weeks ago and I actually saw the original Ghostbusters on the shelf like repackaged original Ghostbusters on the shelf. Where was this? Walmart. Oh, cool. Repackaged original Ghostbusters, original accessories, everything. They looked like they were just like dumped right back on the shelf. Like they never like missed a beat. Um, and I know there's a lot of retro stuff going on with toys right now, uh, but I was surprised to see them. So um, take a look. Cause those like complete childhood memories. So I was like, wow. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I actually really love that uh, that retro toy trend that's going on right now. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, I can move into my next one, which we could talk about super short because I actually went with the Ninja Turtles. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, I think uh, besides what I've said before, I just really love the uh, the aesthetic around the old school Ninja Turtles toys is so cool because it's so... A lot of it was really gross and grotesque, but in a very cartoony and fun sort of way. Um, and like, I just wanted to shout out a couple of my favorite Ninja Turtles toys I have. Um, one of the main ones, and I don't know why, but they did a series of um, 
Ninja Turtles that it was like the the main four Ninja Turtles, but they looked like they were members of different military branches. And I had the like army version of Raphael. And I don't know why I just always thought that toy looked really badass. <laughs> so that was like one of my favorite ones. And then the other one that I really liked that I had was I believe the character's name is uh, Muckman, who's like the mutant that basically looks like he's made of garbage. Um and I always really loved that figure just because of the details and like when you actually looked at the figure, there's so many like, you know, there's like weird soda cans and bugs and band-aids and all this crazy stuff mixed, you know, that were sculpted into him. And that always really captured my imagination as well. So there you go. Uh, nice. OK, so that was. Yeah. All right. So I guess that rolls back to me. Um, so I was going to save this one for later, but I'll do it now. Um <laughs> So my next pick for the night is Batman, uh, Batman in general. Um, I we all know that I'm a Batman fan. That's never that's you know, I've never shied away from that. And um, I wear all my fandoms on my sleeve. But uh, the thing about Batman is like I've for some reason just always like gravitated towards those toys. I always wanted to look at them and everything. And um, with Batman specifically, there was one uh, physical playset that I always wanted. Uh, it came out, they released it for the Batman returns movie and it was the, and it was the Wayne Manor that opened up and it had the Batcave. Right. Uh, there was a place for the Batmobile to come out of and everything. And you know, the costume chamber and all that stuff. And then they repackaged it for the animated series. Um, and I never was able to get my hand. So they re-released it animated series and just kind of redid it a little bit. Never got my hands on it. Never got it for a birthday, like for Christmas or whatever, when you ask for it. And then I was able to get my hands on it because I found it in a garage sale. Um, so my kid has it now, but I was actually able to get my hands on it, which is awesome. So fulfilled that's great. dream, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't need to go on and on about Batman. There was some really cool figures out there that they had. And there's a couple figures I've collected recently. Uh, like there was a, I really liked Michael Turner's design. Um, so I picked up a Batman that was modeled after his design. Uh, and I picked up one of the bat, uh, Jim Lee modeled Batmans, but, um, yeah, so um, just overall Batman in general, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great pull. Um, I didn't think I didn't put Batman on my list, but at every I feel like all the time as a kid, uh, I had so many Batman toys, especially since, you know, the Tim Burton movies, as well as the Schumacher movies were all coming out while I was a child. Like there was always a you know, a full supply of Batman toys to be played with. And I have a lot of, or I had a lot of Batman toys back in the day that I really, really loved and enjoyed. So that's definitely a great call. And, uh, obviously just super superhero action figures in general are just an amazing piece of my childhood too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have too much else to say about Batman. Um, so I could move into my next pick, but I don't know if you have anything else you wanted oh, to oh, say. Well, the thing, well, so, um, the, um, I will mention this and I told the story a while back, uh, when I was like five, maybe six, maybe seven, I'm not sure. I got a Batman birthday cake and there were three figurines on the cake, the Batman, the Robin and the Joker. Uh, the Batman and the Robin are very heavily played with not so much the Joker. So he looks a little bit more mint condition, but I have kept those with me my entire life and carried them with me through my years. And they've always been on the shelf next to my computer or on the shelf next to my Xbox or something. They've always had them, um, somewhere with me. I've always taken them along for the ride. So, um, 
yeah, there, maybe I'll post a picture on my Instagram or something like that. But, uh, yeah. Um, I still have them. I know where they are. Uh, I don't have them up right now because I've been moving stuff around and kind of getting the podcast room situated with, uh, cause I painted in here and that kind of thing. Put up some shelves, but, um, oh, cool. <laughs> as of right, as of right now, like they're not up, but they've carried around everywhere I've gone. So throughout my life, but yeah, anyway, go ahead, continue on. Okay. So yeah, moving into my next pick and, uh, Drew, you actually reminded me of this toy, um, off air. Um, it was either last week or the week before, cause we were talking about this, like the potentials of this list, but, uh, I went with mighty max. Um, Oh dude, that made my short list and I was hoping you were going to bring it up. So, okay. That's interesting. Oh yeah. Cause you did have, uh, I know you did have a mighty max play set or two. Um, if you don't know it. Yeah, if you don't know what Mighty Max is, it's basically the boys version of Polly Pocket. So like Polly Pocket was the little tiny like play sets you would buy and it would be like a little container and you open it up and it would be like a miniature dollhouse and you'd have, you know, your tiny little like Polly Pocket and her friends and you would do whatever you would do with that. Mighty Max was like the metal version of that. (laughs) You're not getting dollhouses. You're getting like mad scientist castles. You're getting like Egyptian tombs with mummies coming out. You're getting like, you know, zombie graveyards, like really, really cool stuff. Um, And each place that it basically would look like some kind of a head. So like uh, Drew, I know you had the like really classic example where it looked like a skull. And then you open it up and it's a mad scientist castle with like a mad scientist. And I want to say like a Frankenstein monster or something yep. in there. And I, and I still have it. And I know where it is, too. And it's intact. I have all the pieces and everything for it. That's great. I, I know um, I I know that I have them as well somewhere at dad and mom's house. I really should dig them up because they're so cool. But the uh, all the toys had uh, there was also the main character who is Mighty Max, who was basically a little boy with a red hat and a white shirt. And he was kind of your, he was kind of the character, at least to me when I was a kid playing with this stuff, that's who I imagined I was like, I was mighty max and I was fighting all these crazy monsters and ghouls and stuff. And, uh, just the, the concept of it was so cool because it would be, you'd pay the price of like, uh, you know, a full action figure, but you would get a full play set plus multiple little, monsters and characters to play around with and it was just such a cool concept and it all had like a really cartoony but kind of like kids horror sort of vibe to it uh it was just really fun uh my favorite mighty max play set i have was uh the uh the villain of the series um lived in like this crazy lab because this was a cartoon series as well Um, I think this was something like He-Man where they made the cartoon to sell the toys sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, the villain of the series lived in this crazy like lava lair sort of thing. And uh, my favorite playset that I had was it was this giant lava monster. But then you could open like you could open the monster's head. You could open his chest, his arms and stuff. And it became like this giant base for the villain. And then, you know, different pieces of like the monster's arms would you know you'd pull out little vehicles and it just had all these really intricate little um nooks and crannies that were just so cool and fun to play play with i know our brother scott had a um 
he had it was it was it was like the the same concept. It was like the villain's base, but it looked like a dragon's. It was like an island that looked like a dragon skull, but it was another one of the bigger play sets that he had. But Mighty Max was just so like such a cool concept. And I kind of wish they still made toys like this, to be honest. But um, yeah, I don't know if you have any. Thoughts I wish on they made a lot of toys. Kind of- <laughs> they don't make toys in general the way they did when we were kids. And I wish they still kind of made some of those. So, yeah, uh, I, d- I didn't know if you had any comments because I know you said this made your short list and uh, I've kind of just been going on and on. I don't know if you have any specific. No, the only, on Mighty Max, Max the only Mighty Max I owned was that one. Um, and it was awesome. And I still ha- like I said, I still have it. I know where it is. I should probably try and find it and kind of put it aside. Um, but the. Uh, um but uh, I remember I do remember that one lava one. It was like it was big, too. Yep. Yeah, it was a huge it was a huge like it was not a huge Lego set. It was a huge <laughs> it was a huge Mighty Max like play set thing. Um, I don't remember how much it opened, but I do remember you got that. It was a, it was a cool piece. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's this is one of those things because the size of it and the play sets and all the little intricacies of the play sets. I feel like we could talk about this for a long time <laughs> sort of thing. You can, but and that, was really, whole, that was the whole point of this list. And then I'm like, wow, yeah. we're going to get this for a while. So <laughs> it, it, ju- it just was like a really cool toy though. Like it was just a cool concept and cool execution too. So, um, yeah. Okay. So is it my turn? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, so my next one is, uh, Star Wars. Oh, nice. And so this is interesting. So when I look at my collecting, I've, we, we all know I like Star Wars, but when I look at my collecting habits, it's always been like a couple things. I've always collected Batman stuff. I've always collected Star Wars stuff. And there's a point where like you stop collecting Star Wars stuff because you discover girls. And I feel like that happens to everybody. Um, at least all the guys anyway. Um, um, and <laughs> it's the, you stop collecting. It's like the got to put away childish things, I guess. And you're, cause you're growing up. And then I look back at my life going, man, I never should have stopped collecting star Wars. And now, um, I got bit by the black series bug. So if you are a collector and you're out there looking for star Wars toys and you see them on the shelves, they're the black series figures, the six inch black series. Um, they're awesome. I love them to death. I literally like they're expensive enough that I know that I'm going to be buying a decent a, a piece for my collection, but they're also expensive enough to keep me from um, going too overboard. And uh, I love it to death. I think they're really cool. Um, I have them displayed around the podcast room right now, like all my figures. Um, I don't have my old vintage figures. They're packed away in a box. Like I have them. They're just packed away in a box. I know where they are. I can get to them easily. Um, I want, I would love to display them, but I want a decent like way of displaying them. Um, Cause they're not packaged. They're not, in, I, I, they're all open and very well played with and very well loved. Um, but I just Star Wars is one that like I've always and it's the and it's one of the only toy lines I still collect. So like I go to the like I stop by Target to get, you know, I don't know, paper towels or like milk or something like that. I always make a pass through the toy aisle to um, take a quick peek to see if there's any. new. And I'm always disappointed because Hasbro doesn't pump out Star Wars figures the way they should. But still. Um, yeah. But um, I've this is a that's a franchise that I've always collected and I've stayed with now that I've gotten back into doing it. So and I plan on staying with it. So 
But yeah, Star nice. Wars is my next pick for the evening. So yeah, Go ahead. that's that's well, just comments on Star Wars. Like that's an awesome pick. Um, I know there's so many times just growing up that we all would play with like you'd get out all the star Wars action figures and start playing around with them. And like, I have just have so many good memories of that. Um, I also really like, I've been commenting a lot on action figure size in this podcast, but I do think about like the size of figures when you play with them and like how you play with figures based on the size they are. And I like the, what, what is the star Wars? Like the classic star Wars figure size? Is it four inches or what's uh, the three and three quarters, three and three quarters. So that size though, I always appreciated that that stayed consistent from, you know, 77 all the way through the prequels. And like, I believe they're still making them now. Um, I could be wrong, but I always liked that you could have the prequel characters fight against the original trailer characters and stuff. And they were still the same size and they looked like they belonged together, whether it was like really classic seventies figures or if they were remakes and stuff, I just really appreciated that consistency. Um, it was also cool that, Star Wars was uh, vaguely the same size as like the 80s G.I. Joe toys. So it was one of those things where if you needed, you know, blaster fodder and stuff, you could, you know, take out a bunch of G.I. Joe guys with your Star Wars character. You know, I used to use G.I. Joe's as bad guys in Star Wars anyway. Like I like play Star Wars figures and the G.I. Joe's would always be like the stormtroopers because I never had enough stormtroopers. Yeah. So um, but yeah, this is definitely a great pick. I also love the. uh the surplus of how many star Wars figures they made, how there was like, and I don't, I guess I'm basing this more off the prequel trilogy. Cause this was more the age that I was collecting these figures, but they made like one of every single character in those <laughs> movies, I whether know. they had, you know, whether they had five seconds of screen time or if they I were know. there the whole time. So I always really appreciated that too. Yes, and that was one of the coolest things about Star Wars is they would say, hey, here's this guy that literally had two seconds of screen time, but we're going to make an action figure because everyone wants every character in the cantina. Um, yeah. So that they always there was always the variety, and that's not the case now with Star Wars, unfortunately, and it's not the case with any toy. So. Yeah. Um, so I um, I can go into my next pick, and I didn't – I didn't pick Star Wars because I didn't I guess I didn't know we could go as vague as that. But I did pick a specific Star Wars toy. Um, oh, okay. And the one that I, I don't have a that, specific Star Wars toy. It was more of a Star Wars in general. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, my next pick, I think, is cool because it's an aspect of Star Wars that we didn't talk about just now. And that is the lightsabers, the toy lightsabers. Um this was a huge deal for Drew. I know you and me both uh, growing up. Uh, this was. I remember they started making toy lightsabers, like the three foot extendable ones. And I remember I feel like the first two were Luke's and Vader's. Um, and Drew, you had Vader's, I want to say. And I think uh, our brother Scott had Luke's. And I just thought it was so cool that you guys had those. And I was like, I have to get one. I These have to get one. These like almost like wiffle ball bats, right? They were massive. Yeah, they were big. Yeah. And yeah. they uh, they lit up and they made noise. And uh you guys would play with them, but I think they might have broken a little bit easier than uh, we all were hoping because, you know, they lit up and they were the plastic yeah. they were made out of was slightly transparent. So they weren't the most durable. Um, and I really wanted one, but I actually had to wait till they released the Darth Maul version 
till I was actually able to buy a lightsaber of my own. But I was so excited to have Darth Maul's lightsaber. I'm like, oh, Darth Maul's the most badass Star Wars character. I'm so happy to have his saber. And uh, the thing about Darth Maul's lightsaber is it's actually a lot harder to fight with a double-bladed lightsaber than you think. Um, so then later on, I had to look. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It. Yeah, I, I had to look into getting a uh, single-bladed one later on just because, I mean, I know if you're trained in martial arts and stuff, like fighting with a double-bladed lightsaber is pretty awesome, I guess, if you train with it. I just wasn't that skilled. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. we also bought a lot of what we called beater sticks, which, which were the, like, $5 version of lightsabers that were cheap and they were a little bit shorter, but they were super durable. And uh, I just remember playing with those in the backyard a ton and just having a blast with it. Um, Drew, I don't know if you have any comments specifically on just the toy lightsabers at all, but um, the toy lightsabers, I'll agree with you about that. What's interesting about the toy ones that you can actually like go around and like, cause I have the force FX Vader one. Um, I don't like playing with it because I, I don't want to damage it cause it's expensive. Yeah. But they have the ones that are like very hard plastic, which you can really beat. Like we call them beater sticks. You could really hurt someone with if you swung it hard enough and they don't break as easily. Yeah. Uh, those, what I liked about those is like, you could actually like screw around in the yard and beat each other to hell with them. And, um, those are fun to play with just because, Hey, I got a lightsaber in my hand and we're going to go out in the yard and beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> those I liked cause they were cheap. Um, but yeah, that's that was my big thing with the lightsabers is um, it's it's the uh, how do I want to word this um, like durability or it's the durability because the, there are certain ones that you're just like, yeah, I have a lightsaber, but it's not durable to keep going. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, like, absolutely. Eventually they're going to break and you're like, well, that was thirty dollars down the drain. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, I also want to just comment, um, and I won't go into all the rules and logistics of this, but we made a pretty awesome lightsaber uh, game back in the day where it was basically... Oh, it was... It was we were basically LARPing, it. huh? Yeah, we were basically LARPing. It was awesome. Yeah, and it, it's funny because we had all these rules, like if if your opponent hits you in the arm with a lightsaber, you can't use the arm. And we had all these rules like that. And it's funny because I've heard people who actually are into LARPing, like tell me the rules of like, whether it be it be like Belagarth or, you know, I don't even know a lot of the LARPing games, but hearing like rules to actual LARPing games, it's just kind of funny to me how close we yeah. were like, as far as combat goes when it was just us as brothers screwing around in the backyard with our beater sticks. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And if you want to make a sound clip out of that, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, all right. Well, how about this? Let's move on because I got I have one more pick and I'm pretty sure you and I are matching on this one. Um, and that would be Lego. Absolutely. I okay. matched with you on this. OK, I figured you did. And I was like, you know, um, but yeah, so uh, Lego um I'm going to I'll be very honest. I played with Legos way longer than I probably should have. Most people in my generation play with Legos way longer than we probably should have. Um, I bought a Lego set as a gift for myself for my birthday. Um, and uh, um, yeah, Legos are amazing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we had a, as kids, we had that giant. We basically 
out of one box of Legos that never seemed to run out of Legos. It was like the it was like the um, <laughs> Mary Poppins box of Legos. It just never seemed to run out. And I don't know how that worked. But we built this massive city and then it got bigger and then it got mm-hmm. bigger and then it continued to get bigger. And then some of us started moving out of the house and then it got kept growing because people kept. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So um, Lego's awesome. And I actually would go to the store and hunt down Lego sets specifically for the city that we were building in the basement and stuff like that. This this was like one of those Lego was a toy that brought us together as brothers in terms of like things doing together. But it all, I mean, it was just overall just fantastic. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Talk about Lego if you want. But yeah, it's it's hard to know where to begin, because I feel like um, Lego kind of surrounded like our entire childhood. And I feel like there's all these other toys we just mentioned that we really loved, but I feel like Lego is always there and it was always almost first and foremost, one of the toys we were always building stuff with and playing with. And, uh, it's just a good, it's just a really good toy for kids. Like I, I hope they never stop making Legos I hope that or Lego, I should say, and I hope they it's always um, I hope it's always popular because it just really fosters like it's a very simple system that can really foster like imagination and creativity in a kid. Um, And I truly believe that. And uh, like Drew, you were commenting on the Lego city we had where it was basically we had a pool table in our basement and we covered that in a city with Legos and then. As you said, it kept getting bigger and we kept adding on more like intricacies and different characters and like, oh, you know, I just saw this movie where they had this building, so I'm going to build it. Or I just got this set and we need to add this in somewhere. And then, like you said, it kept going where we kept taking over other tables in our basement because, you know, the (laughs) one pool table couldn't hold our whole city. And it was just like a really, really cool thing. But uh, I'm with you. I still love uh building stuff with Legos. Um, I, there was a while where I hadn't built any Lego sets in a long time. And I had this weird thought that, uh, I wonder if, if, if I, I, I didn't know if I'd still get the same feeling from making a Lego set. And I remember when, uh, man of steel came out and uh since man of steel was built uh or man of steel was built the the film man of steel part of it was uh filmed in our home hometown and uh because like our whole town was like obsessed with it i remember uh our father buying i i don't know if he bought you one drew but he bought i know he bought me and i feel like the rest of my brothers a uh like a man of steel Lego set that I don't know if he found cheap or he just thought it was cool. So he bought us all it. And I remember putting together that Lego set. And if you're an adult and you haven't put up, put together a Lego set in a while, let me tell you, it is a cathartic experience. It is, uh, it just feels relaxing and just like it slows you down and you just kind of concentrate on these pieces you are putting together and it's rewarding. And I understand how people get addicted to this because it's just a really nice feeling. Um, and if I had more money, I would probably be buying a lot more Lego sets, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of, uh, there, the, uh, the Mandalorian, the razor crest ship that I got myself for my birthday, uh, that was, that was like a good three hour sit too. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so it depends on the size of the Lego set. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. But I feel do you do you agree with that? Like it's kind of a refreshing experience actually putting together a Lego set. I don't know. What it, it is. It is until you start buying Lego sets for your children and they won't put their own sets together. They want to build the guys and then walk away and you build the set, and, <laughs> which is cool because you're like, sweet, I haven't played with Legos in years. And then you realize that you haven't played with Legos in years, but you have like 12 sets to put together because someone <laughs> gave them Legos for their birthday. Right. So, <laughs> I so. feel like I'd still enjoy that, but it depends on how fast I have to put to get them together and what the sets are, you know, <laughs> like the Ewok village. We got the Ewok village. See, that would be fun. It was it was it was awesome. It's the sets yeah. enormous. The problem is is that you have to build all the trees, and they become very tedious. And then so you're like, I just want to put together the cool parts, but it takes a while to get there. And <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, so that one that one was rough because that was a long sit, and I was like, and I did it in one sitting where I probably should have just broken it up and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, um, that kind of brings us to the end of the list, unless you have more to say about Lego, because we could be talking about Lego for hours. Um, I, I will say that um, I don't. So when they released the first set of Batman Legos, this was like as an adult when I was like, I'm done buying Legos, that kind of thing. When they announced they were going to make Batman Legos, I got all of the original wave of Batman Legos. So I got the Batcave and Arkham, Arkham Asylum and the Batmobile and the Batwing and the Batboat and like every every set that they released originally. And now they've gone into like more stuff. But um, I did get the entire wave of them because I had to have them. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah there's um... kind of cool because like I felt like every day another Lego set was arriving at my house. So <laughs> that's great. There's um there is some. I go down the Lego aisle every once in a while now, and there's so many cool stuff when it goes into uh, superheroes and uh, Star Wars and all the different franchises they've done and stuff. There's so many of them that I want to have, you know. But uh, yeah, Legos. Right, and well, what are we doing <laughs> next week? Yeah, so this might be kind of a weird list, but I was kind of inspired by a meme I've been seeing going around. Um, and there's this meme I keep seeing that's uh, it basically says, like, what blank opinion do you have that will make people respond to you like this? And it's a picture of Flynn from Tangled with, like, a bunch of swords pointed at his, at his neck. <laughs> OK, have you seen that? Have you seen that meme? No, So it'll be like, what video game opinion do you have that will make people react like this? And then it's Flynn with a bunch of swords pointed at his neck. I was hoping you had seen this because I've been seeing it all over the place lately. I have. Um, I'm going to go looking for it. So, yeah, but that's kind of what I want to do. I think it'd be fun to do. Like, what are your pop culture opinions that are going to piss everybody off? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, wow. contra- you know, your top five most controversial opinions. Pop culture this, opinions. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully neither of us gets heated during this. I just think it's kind of a funny concept and i hope you're cool with this one um that's that's a funny list okay perfect (laughs) and Um, this is all gonna be in good fun so i don't wanna which will be great because that'll piggyback onto my pick next week because i've already figured that out so um that's funny yeah yeah, i just but i mean before we do this i just want to be clear like it's all in good fun and if we hate on somebody's favorite franchise i don't want them to get upset because 
when it comes down to it, we Un- still really un- love. So all basically, this, stuff. this is our unpopular pop culture opinions. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Um, and I, I know I know two off the top of my head, but yeah, we'll see goes? how this goes. What's up? Anything goes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any franchise or any, you know, genre. We're talking TV, media. movies. It could be music if I wanted it to be. Like, we're talking anything goes. Pop culture. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Or if you just want to focus on TV and movies, it's fine, too. But um, Well, I mean, I'd, I'd, I I think it's it should be open. Um, we okay. don't talk about music a lot, so that could be interesting. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking, you know, TVs, movies, video games, books, like whatever, you know whatever you have an opinion on. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Um, <laughs> It'll okay. be a great episode to lose listeners. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think it'll be more of a fun episode than anything else. Yeah. Uh, at any rate. So do us all a favor. Um, Peter, we have another episode on the can. So let's bring this to a close for the evening. Um, do us all a favor and check us out on our website, top five report. Uh, dot com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, uh, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there or hit us up on our social media. Either one works. Um, we are on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Uh, there you can subscribe to the show, and if you do, you won't miss a single episode. Um, you can also leave us a review, which we love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927 in both places. Um, and then, uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be reminding you that like the toys that made us, never judge a show by its theme song. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening, everybody.